Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MDFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine. And once again, we're going to be talking about marketing. This morning, Allison is on the Twitter stream. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. And if you have a comment or a question, be sure to use the hashtag pound MTFW. You can always call in at 805-285-9865 to join the conversation with our guest. And my guest this morning, I'm so excited. Um, this is Nancy Merlin of Merlin Marketing. And Nancy has had an interesting um, career path. Um, she started out in marketing for a law firm. So, and she has progressed to her own business and now still hangs out with lawyers. What is up with that? <laughs> I know. And I, I choose to do that. Yeah, interesting. I am so thankful to be here. And it's good to see you in person because we're online all the time. And St. Allison, I finally have met face-to-face, -face, which is a treat. Um, and so this is fun. And when you said, do you want to do it over the phone or, or in person, of course I wanted to be here because I've never been to your offices. And, and, so and it's good to see you. And you know what? And uh, we love having company at, at Roundpeg, so it's always fun. But this morning we're going to talk, we're going to talk about marketing, and we're going to talk specifically about the challenges of marketing for professional services. So kicking it off, single hardest thing about making a lawyer marketable. Oh, gosh. Um, there's so many. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting. It probably wouldn't necessarily be what you would expect uh, because they're all marketable. Just like any, you and I are marketable. Some would question whether I am or not. Uh, but I, everybody is marketable. It's just helping people figure out what it is about them that's attractive to others. And for a lot of people, not just lawyers, that's difficult. Um, I think many of us tend to be humble and modest, and and we don't we're not accustomed to at least at the start we're not accustomed to bragging about what we do. Um, lawyers have to be very careful, and they can't be by restriction um, self-laudatory is one of the phrases that they can't be. So you tell someone they can't be self-laudatory, then what are they left with? Well, they're left with building relationships and. Um, as you and I and Alice and anybody listening would probably agree with, if we have an attorney or a doctor or an accountant or anybody we go to um, in the professional services, we would expect and hope that we could develop some kind of a relationship with them. We don't have to be buddies with them, but we, we always go for the know, like, and trust factor. Cool. And, and that's really, that really is almost universal. I don't know too many even retailers that wouldn't strive for no, the no like and trust factor. So the biggest challenge really is to um, is to help lawyers, law firms, and legal marketers figure out how they should be talking about themselves, pull out of them what it is that's attractive about what they do, um, and sometimes that's a conversation that goes beyond before you went to school, tell me what cases you've won, tell me the technical stuff, and it's more about Tell me what you're like, how you like to do business, um, what people will feel like when they do business with you, which really, as we're getting down to it, is their brain. Um, so, okay, so, so let's, let, let's take a look at some of the challenges with that. When, um, when you're walking that fine line in um, 
in lawyers, I think it's highly regulated. Financial planners, they have different words, but the same kind of thing. And even accountants, to some degree, have to kind of walk that line. What kind of things can you talk about that are not considered that self-laudatory that help you build that relationship and establish that brand? That's a good question. Uh, and it's in between the two, I would even, there's some difference between lawyers and anybody in the financial services arena too. Uh, as, as restrictive as lawyers probably think, the prof and legal marketers probably think the profession is in what we can and can't say, um, if they got into the regulations for financial services, they would probably think they were uh, on a cakewalk because um, financial services has restrictions that are even more onerous in many ways than in legal marketing. So um, what you can talk about are those things that are factual, those things that are educational, what's informative. Um, you and I do We tend to disseminate information when we're not relationship building, which really almost all of it is anyhow, and having conversations. We tend to disseminate information that's informative and educational. So lawyers can do the same thing. Uh, if there is a current ruling, if there is something new that's coming out in the state legislature, if there's a new real estate law, if there's a new social media law, regulation requirement, whatever, then it's okay to go ahead and talk about those things. Um, it's nice that we have so many tools available to us today, like blogs and Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and others, um, but those are the big guys, that we can actually do our writing and our informing in those places and leave what I call what many of us call digital breadcrumbs for people to find us. Mm -hmm. So even though we can't do, lawyers cannot directly solicit business with someone with whom they have not had a prior relationship, which is also another challenge. Um, the nice thing today is that we have tools available that can leave those digital breadcrumbs so that our credibility, or their, I'm not a lawyer, but their credibility is actually already built and being built in other places where people can discover them. So one of the things that you're talking about, and one of the things that I've bumped into sometimes with people doing professional services is taking a ruling and talking about it without giving the perspective that somehow they're sharing legal, that they're giving advice. So how did that talking about a ruling, talking about its implications, while still staying on the, the side of the fence that's not advice? Side. Well, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's really, it's the same offline as it is online. It's just that um, what's online is so much more trackable and it can go to so many more people. So the, the concern really is, is heightened right now because people see all of this in writing. So what they can't do is exactly what you said. They can't give advice with something. If they happen to just summarize the ruling, now, there's an attorney that I follow on Twitter, uh, Scott Greenfield, out of Manhattan, and he writes, a, he blogs a lot about rulings. They're not necessarily anything that he has to do with. He hasn't been involved with them. But he writes about them almost daily. He blogs, sometimes, some days he will blog three, he'll write blog posts three times. When does he have time to take care of his clients? He's a, he is, and we, I've seen this, he's a very fast writer, and it just flows out of his head through his fingers. 
And he will take something that he has obviously read that day, that morning, whatever, the day before, and he will summarize and then he'll write some commentary about it, giving a legal perspective, but not necessarily saying, this is what you should do. So lawyers stop short of saying, this is what you should do, or this is what I would do, because then that can establish a lawyer-client relationship. Um, is it appropriate at the end of a piece like this to say, if you have questions, please feel free to call me, or does that drift over into solicitation? Well, you know, it, it does and it doesn't. Um, people have, at that point, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago about you can't solicit or you can't even send information to people with whom you have not had a prior relationship. Well, in many of these cases now with social media, people have chosen to go to you. So they've chosen to go to your blog. They've chosen to follow you on Twitter, chosen to go if it's face-to-face. -face. They've chosen to go to your seminar, whatever it might be. So they have taken a step in the direction of making that choice themselves and establishing a relationship. Now, does that mean you can unleash? No, because the potential for thousands, hundreds, thousands, whatever, millions more reading that or someone mentioning it to is still there. So the caution is still there. So, no, the direct solicitation is still not supposed to happen. But uh, if, if, for example, they might write a summary of a ruling and offer it on their website and might just say, yes, because exactly what you just suggested a second ago. You know, if you want to download a white paper on the current regulations that have to do with XYZ industry, download them here. And then there is that opportunity for that attorney to continue to make that relationship. Or another link to another blog post that keeps, you know, eyes on the site, keeping them there a little bit longer. But, but still that direct solicitation, you know, the call now is really not supposed to happen. Does it happen? It probably does. Um, and people, some people probably get by with it just because they're walking the fine line, just this side of the fine line. And some people stay completely away from it. I tend to be pretty conservative and very cautious. Um, spending time inside of a law firm and then 10 years out on my own in this area tends to make one pretty cautious. Mm -hmm. So I tend to stay completely away from the solicitation part of it and say, let your credibility and let your knowledge be what attracts people to you. But I think you hit on something that I think is really relevant to professional services marketers, um, the idea of the web candy, the download, the trading more information for your email. Because when you make that exchange, they get what they want and you get, uh, now you've got kind of this documented, hey, they were interested, I can talk to them. Absolutely. And I don't know that law firms and lawyers are necessarily that good at that yet. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, and it's something I, I think is the next move where we teach law firms, lawyers, and, and marketers to uh, offer those pieces of information that they do exchange mm -hmm. for information so that they can exchange information with people and they can start to establish a relationship. Um, I was part of a webinar that the Legal Marketing Association put on a couple weeks ago on the, the ethical sales funnel. And the word sales in legal is still taboo in many, many parts of this mm -hmm. world. So it was even uh, a challenge that was going on in the limb to even use it, but yet more accepted today mm -hmm. than it was when I started. 
quite a while ago, and it was just about that. It was about getting all of these people to enter our sales funnels in law firms, and same would be for for any any professional services, career, industry, or, or business. Um, and then working with those people to establish relationships, continuing to give them bits and pieces of information, whatever that might be. It might be that we sent them an email. We might set up an autoresponder system, which is very new and untested um, for the most part in law firms, where we drip information mm-hmm. up to them. Uh, I think we'll see more of that. I certainly will work with firms that I work with to encourage them to do that. And But my job is to help them understand that it doesn't have to look unprofessional, that it can still be an elegant process where they are very much a part of all of those pieces of communication, and it's not sloppy. It's not, as a lot of people say, salesy. Um, and it still stays within the dignity and the confines of the restrictions that not only the ADA gives law firms, but then every state bar has their own restrictions that either trump or complement what the ADA has has required, has set down as requirements. You know, it's interesting that you say that because clearly in, in, as a marketing firm, we've been doing this drip marketing for several years, and, um, you know, I think... Uh, you're right, there. there's different sides of it. We've always stayed, and in, in, I, I think for the most part, we like to see our clients stay on the classy side. We always let our clients stay on the classy side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, for the most part. You know. <laughs> I think mean, yeah, we come out right. We know, everybody. Our clients are all classy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, I, I, I think some of them are in product categories where it is appropriate for them to be a little more salesy yes. from time to time to do yes. the the buy now, buy now. Yes. Um, but even in those categories, we try to get them to temper it, kind of mix it with um, information and earning the right to ask for the yes. sale. Yes. And so I think these fields are kind of more up that food chain. Well, exactly. And it's, it's interesting because, yes, outside of legal and professional services, it does exist. I mean, imagine I came, I started in sales right out of college, um, yellow pages advertising of all things. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, was on the road for two years, and that's a pretty heavy, as you know, sales environment. Um, and then I went into real estate sales. So, again, a very heavy sales and I had no choice but to sell nonstop. And then was with Time Warner Cable for nine and a half years, which was very promotion-intensive business-to-consumer marketing, and overnitched into a profession uh, that didn't accept those kinds of marketing practices. So it's been really good for me because I've been able to learn, I, I don't want to say both sides mm-hmm. because they aren't sides, but two different or many different perspectives mm-hmm. and, and hopefully lend some of the former to to what I'm doing now to help people understand that it's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to let you do anything that's really scary and that doesn't look good and that isn't consistent with your brand. And if you don't know what that brand is, let's work on that. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it. Which I it's interesting because um, in my experience, lawyers are kind of an interesting mix. On the one hand, they have this image. They're not quite sure how to talk about themselves, but once you get them rolling, there's a lot of talking going on. 
So, so 
let's let's talk a little bit about that because you've been doing this both inside and outside the law firm. You got twenty years. You know, yeah. you, you don't look like you've been doing it for twenty years. You got, you got twenty years. So, so big changes, things that have changed in professional services marketing. The advent of being able to do television ads was one that came up during your tenure, right? No, well, maybe just the comfort level of doing it. Mm. Um, after 1977, when there was a Supreme Court decision with Bates, where this was all fought, and advertising was not legal, it was not acceptable. Um, after 77, it was okay. Um, within the confines that we have alluded to, which, you know, don't sell, don't set up expectations, don't use um, past successes mm -hmm. as predictors of future results, um, and, and several other requirements and words that can and cannot be used. It's been okay to do that. It's just that law firms were a bit, and other professional services, were a bit behind the rest of the marketing world because we weren't allowed to do it until 77. And everybody else had been doing it for decades in some way, shape, or form. Really, they weren't doing it well, but they were doing it right. <laughs> um, and so law firms and professional service firms had relied very much on public relations. And let's, come on, let's get our name. We need to get our name in the paper. We need to get our name in this trade journal. And then the frustration came with, well, why didn't they mention our name when they wrote about that case? Or why didn't they mention this attorney's or this financial services professional's name? And the, the, the message back was always, that's not the business they're in to give us promotion. So, so what has happened is that marketing as marketing has become more sophisticated, uh, then some firms have dipped their toe into the waters as far as advertising. The plaintiff's firms um, and are the ones that did it first, and there is, you see them all over TV here. You see, I see them all over TV wherever I go. Um, some are kind of scary looking, as you might agree. Um, some of them are actually not too bad and getting a little bit better. Um, some big law firms, uh, international law firms, dipped their toe, have dipped their toe into um, big advertising, where we've seen them on TV. Uh, interesting phenomenon that um, Brobeck, a large, large mega firm, was one of the first that really got into branding on TV. They were all over CNN for a while, um, really out there, and everybody was watching. It's a firm that imploded. Some people want to point their finger and say, aha, see? It's the advertising that did it. It's the, you know, they spent too much money on TV. They shouldn't have done that. But really, there were so many problems that the TV commercials probably had a tiny, tiny part to do with it. But for those who were non-believers, that was what they wanted to latch on to. So it started there was a backlash then, and it was, okay, let's regroup and let's re recoil again, stay away from that stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do it. Um, we see some firms get back into it. Um, sometimes they'll do it locally. It's rare when we see it done nationally on TV, particularly with much more targeted media that exists today um, to, to bite off the expense of mass media like that or the traditional mm -hmm. media is really asking a lot of firms because uh, they have so many people they want to talk to and they can, they're not all sure how to, but they can get much more targeted using social media. So you're starting to see law firms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. What kind of things should law firms be sharing in in those media? 
Well, they should all, if there are any attorneys that are on LinkedIn, they should be, and they should be, be so immediately because it, is, it has become one of the largest search engines for professional, legal and professional services that exist. So really, at, yes, I mean, it's at a bare minimum, one of the few external apps that LinkedIn actually has allowed is one with um, a company called JD Supra. And JD Supra is, in essence, a curator or a gatherer of legal documents that firms can publish for non-professionals that exist within the legal environment can actually publish articles there, too. I put my posts, I turn them into articles, and I post them on JD Supra. And JD Supra struck a deal with LinkedIn that, that in LinkedIn created an app so that it is easy to find JD Super content on LinkedIn. So there was a belief, on, obviously, on LinkedIn's part that this is something that really makes a lot of sense. And there are thousands and thousands of attorneys that exist on LinkedIn, so you know what, we better pay attention to this. Um, so that's a, that's a statement right there that lawyers really need, and professional services folks need to be there, period. And what should they share? They should share a lot of what we've talked about. And when they find content that others produce, but it's within their area of expertise, they should be sharing that. We should all strive to, lawyers, financial services, architects, any anybody that falls within this category, should think of themselves as go-to resources. So that when somebody says, well, I don't know, where do I find the latest on? You pick the topic. Oh, you know what, John Jones does that. Um, Keenan Farrell has all of that. And then we need to go to him. We need to find him because I know he just posted something about that. And even if they don't go searching for that, when we can, and you know, you do this, when we start to think of who does small business marketing and how small businesses turn into better, bigger businesses, oh my gosh, it's Round Peg. And you know what? They've been writing about this, and we see them write about this and talk about this constantly. So that becomes your brand, and you become the go-to source. You do it. It's, well, it's, it's that role of, of being an advisor. Yeah. And yeah. so I am going to, and we have just a few more minutes, but there's, there's that fine line, and I know that I run into this with accountants and with lawyers, when a, here's an interesting article, tracks over to, they don't want it to be perceived as a endorsement because because they, there's, there's concern, well, I recommended them, and then it wasn't what they wanted. So how do they balance that? Well, I think if they make a regular practice of doing it broadly and and sharing content from many instead of all of a sudden favoring just one. And lawyers do give other lawyers recommendations and referrals, and that's okay. They're not stepping out of bounds by doing that. They cannot compensate one another, and they cannot compensate either of us as, as non-lawyers for a recommendation or a referral if we give it to them. So staying on this side of that type of activity, they could share, lawyers could share my, and they, and they do, and I'm in a lot of LinkedIn groups with lawyers, and I'll post a blog post that has to do with professional services marketing, and many of them share it. So again, it just, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just sharing widely information that might be important to their clients or their referral or anybody in their community. So it's okay as long as so just make as long as they're making a practice of it, they're doing it regularly and they're not doing anything that's that's under the table, which I it's rare to find that where they're getting remuneration for it. 
Okay. Um, we've got uh, we've got just about two minutes left. So, parting thought. One last thing, and then also, how do people find you? Uh, parting thought. My gosh, to wrap it up and to find just a, a small one. Um, that this world is changing so much. This marketing communications world is changing so much, and social media uh, are not going away. Lawyers, financial services folks, and other professional services people need to to remember uh, and need to figure out how to work within those confines. And really, they're not confines. They're as wide open as we've ever seen. Um, so we need to figure out how to market and communicate within these new tools that we have. Cool. Would be my best recommendation. Um, not to hide our heads in the sand. And I'm pretty easy to find. I'm all over the place. My my website slash blog is merlinsmarketing.com. And um, funny last name, but M-Y-R-L-A-N-D.com. Uh, and I write regularly on marketing and social media broadly, as well as in professional services. On Twitter, I'm just at Nancy Merlin. Uh, my Facebook page is uh, Merlin is Nancy Merlin. I'm on LinkedIn under Merlin Marketing. So really, a, a Google search will probably find more of me than anyone ever cares to see. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This has been awesome. We're so glad you could come. If you've enjoyed today's program, if you've got more questions or want to learn more about marketing, social media, business planning, and strategy, be sure to check out our blog at roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening. <laughs>